Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Hey, it's Chad. This is part one of a two-part podcast we just finished in Tempe, Arizona at the TA Tech AI Summit. It's a hype-free discussion around AI and automation. Again, this is part one of a two-part podcast with Aaron Matos, CEO of Paradox, Olivia Young, Director of Client Strategy at KRT Marketing, and Sanhil Sani, co-founder of Alio. And of course, some snark and opinion from yours truly, Chad and Cheese. Enjoy. It's commercial time. This is the sound of job search. This is the sound of job search defeat. Ugh. Job search can be frustrating. Job seekers run into the same irrelevant ads, page after page before they find a match. When job seekers aren't engaged, conversions are low, budgets are wasted, jobs go unfilled, no one wins. But job search doesn't have to be defeating. JobEdX's Smart Search Exchange references 400 data points to select the most targeted jobs and delivers what job seekers really want to premium ad units across our network. Score! That's the sound of JobEdX's relevant results attracting a qualified candidate and filling your job faster. Find out how to improve your job advertising campaigns and increase candidate attraction and engagement by emailing us at join us at jobadx.com. Job Addicts. Together, we can save job search. It's showtime. I don't know how I feel about this reclining setup here. Like two old men. Where's the cigars and the smoking jacket? Just do your job. Uh, Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Joel Cheeseman. I'm Chad Sowash. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Uh, I feel safe saying if this room... Uh, doesn't listen to our show, they probably should. Uh, raise a hand so you know who we are. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Outstanding. Well, I guess my intro is over. Uh, you can find out more about us at chadcheese.com. If you have any questions or comments about our little panel here, you can hashtag chadcheese, and uh, we'll get to questions or try to reply at some point. Um, and you're doing the intro here, right? Everyone's doing sort of the 140 characters or less, who you are and why you're here. Yes. And then we'll get to the Q&A. Aaron, would you like to start us off? Aaron starts. Hey, I'm Aaron Madison, I'm the founder and CEO of Paradox. Just a heads up, we're recording this, Aaron, so choose your words wisely. You said 140 characters. <laughs> no, no, I mean after the 140 characters. Hello, I'm Olivia Young, and I am Director of Client Strategy at KRT Marketing. Did you make those pants yourself, or did you buy them like that? I bought them like that. Nice. He wants to nice. know because he wants a pair. I do want a pair. Do they have jackets like that? That'd be cool. Oh, Jesus. Are you guys done? Good. What? Okay, good. Yeah. My name is Sahil. I'm the founder of Alio. Just wanted to uh, take my 140 characters and thank both Aaron and Peter for having us here. I think uh, we've been in the space for four years, completely illiterate still about the talent acquisition space. But it's great to come here and get to know people. So thank you so much. By the way, we like our shows to be interactive. If you have questions, shout out something. Uh, Chad loves exercise, unlike me, so he'll run out and give you the mic to ask questions if necessary. Chad, you want to start us off? Yes. Go ahead. So the AI 
issue that was shut down, the Amazon algorithm that was shut down because of bias, right? Um, has that helped? Has it brought awareness or is it a pain in the ass? Because now everybody's asking about Amazon. It's like, no, we don't want to do that AI thing because it's biased. Aaron. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think Athena tackled this a bit. Um, you know, I think it was good that Amazon was transparent and they admitted it and they said, hey, this is what happened. Uh, I, I think it is kind of a cautionary tale to the question of our clients bringing this up. I think they brought it up in the first we have a really short attention span news cycle today. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. that those 10 days afterwards, people brought it up. Um, today, I think if you're, you're on the sourcing and matching side, you care about this stuff. Um, for us, we're really trying to focus on, you know, BFOQ kind of very clear criteria as an assistant. Mm -hmm. So we don't play in that matching game as much. So for us, it's not as big of an issue. Okay, Olivia, I mean, clients, are they asking about this whole AI slash Amazon thing or did it just go away real quick? You know, there was limited conversation about it. I mean, at KRT, our job is to bring these types of articles and updates to our clients, so we really mm -hmm. brought it to their attention. And I think there's no such such thing as bad press. So as bringing it to light, it starts a conversation, it gets them talking about what, what happened, what can we do, what should we be thinking about to fix it if we were to go this route. Um, I think, in my opinion, uh, what we saw, coincidentally, just before the news came out, I was at a conference where I'd taken a poll asking the audience, how many of you are considering an AI solution in the next one year? And the response was 6%. When the interest is so low. 6%? 6% was the response. Uh, this was a hospitality conference, so uh, take that filter. Uh, when, the, when the interest is so low and Amazon comes out and does whatever it does and openly says it, it actually causes everyone to consider that, hey, if Amazon, which is really the largest staffing company in the world, has been working so much into it and is open about it, there must be something in it. I understand the negativity around it. The negativity helps in differentiating vendors who are actually solving it, if it's a problem. It does, it surfaces that. But at the same time, I think it, in a, in a weird way, amplifies the hype. And so now if you go and ask, you'll have somewhere on like 17 to 18% of the market is interested in exploring an AI solution in the next 12 months. What you're looking at, you're looking at major like enterprise organizations, right? So most of them are federal contractors and they are scared shitless in most cases because there are hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, that they're getting ca contracted by the US government. Um, are you building platforms to be, as Athena would say, explainable? or transparent, knowing that at the end of the day, the US government could regulate this and say you have to be transparent. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll give you examples. Um, amongst like major defense contractors, customers that we have include Walmart or Allied Universal or G4S. And if you go and apply on their website or if you did like a, a year or two ago, you might know this, when you apply for a job and it's a defense contractor, you're required to give 10 years of employment and residential history. And they would include that in the application. Mm -hmm. Awful. Uh, what, what we've seen at a high level is um, the adoption in AI has been for reasons to improve that candidate experience, more from a conversion standpoint, because end of the day, they need to hire. They just, I mean, what's good? How good is a defense contractor who can't serve the defense? Right, and so we've seen them adopt it for that reason. From a concern standpoint, absolutely. Uh, when we play mostly in the large enterprise space and we're going through all the scrutiny, whether it's uh, your 
um, your IT security check-ins, and whatever it might be, sometimes it takes a couple of weeks, sometimes it takes months, and with defense contractors, it's much more severe. Mm -hmm. But having said that, at the back, you've got a very core need. It's not like they're saying, hey, if this passes, I will use it. They want this, and they want it to pass, and so they're making sure that whatever is happening is not only compliant, but it's also moving efficiently to get to that point where it can start creating value. Yeah. You guys want to weigh in on it? Not really. She's like, I don't like that compliance weigh shit. In. I don't like that compliance shit. Go ahead. Uh, Eric Kostanek earlier from TextRecruit said there are only about a handful of AI companies in the world, Google, Microsoft, et cetera. Um, is he right? And if so, are all these AI solutions just using all these other big companies' AI to power their stuff? Is there any homemade AI out there in our industry? Because I think if everyone's just using Google or Amazon or whatever AI solution, that there should be some transparency. Discuss. Is Eric still in here? No, he, he Eric, jetted, so Eric he wouldn't left. have to answer. So he doesn't get to play with that one? <laughs> Are we going to refute whether he said it or not? No, he's, he said it. I mean, I think that what's your definition of AI? This isn't about questioning me, Aaron. This is me asking you questions. <laughs> yeah, and I love that you're trying to dodge the question, I, I'm not, but I'm, I'm not, not going to let you do that. I mean, I'm not. I look, I think that I think the. do you think this whole room would agree with the definition of AI is? Well, OK, so question, because you use AI, right, in, in defining what you guys do? Sort of. OK, well, I mean, if you use it, then I mean, that that means your company. Well, we, we, it. I mean, we actually call it assistive intelligence. Because okay. we're trying to make a very clear separation that the goal of what we do is help assist and get work done. That's that's our goal. To, you know, to the question of what AI is, people talked about this before. The original Dartmouth conference was in 1956, and John McCarthy, they talked about what AI was originally, which was how do we do work that humans are doing? How do we understand language? How do we understand um, messaging? How do we tr do translation? Um, today, AI is a bigger category, where that's full of machine learning and deep learning, um, includes things like NLP. Um, it's, a, it's a, I mean, partly I always joke that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. We're doing, a, all, all these companies are doing amazing work that's changing recruiting, and people honestly sometimes just get too hung up on, that's not AI. Um, John Sumser, who I, all, we all love, he's been around, and his first report on AI said, um, you know, that he kind of defined AI as having sentience. We're not there. This is not Westworld. Um, Google built AlphaGo, it can play Go really, really well, it can't play checkers. I mean, there's, it depends on what you define as real AI. So AI is not AI is not AI. I mean, it depends so on what you Google's call you. Google's doing AI and you're doing AI, but it's just a I, little different. AI. I think AI, I think Eric's point was, there's a few big companies, and look, China's even leading the way on just really great ML and great power that is using, using machines to see insights that we have never seen before. And Google's open sourcing some of this stuff, and those big tech companies um, are, are clearly leading the way. But at the same point, there's companies in our space that are using amazing um, ML to, to source, to match. There's, there's NLP that's, I mean, I've seen conversations from all of the players in the space that are 10, 15 minute conversations that pass quote the Turing test. Um, so again, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Olivia, when a customer yeah. says, what's AI, what do you tell them? 
You know, I think there's so much noise out in this space of just partners throwing out the word artificial intelligence. And so I strongly believe that there is, I know there's a lot of uh, my vendors I work out, out there, but um, a lot of the tools are really smart, they're intelligent. I don't think they're truly doing artificial intelligence if you break down what AI is. Um, but I think they're doing excellent work and they're providing a ton of value when it comes to machine learning and augmenting and providing that value. I th just think when you go back and really define what AI is mm -hmm. and having that um, artificial intelligence come into play, it's not truly doing what it should be doing. So the AI end-to-end -end recruiter, doesn't that make HR numb when they hear AI, 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 and then you come nothing, in. Right? Yeah, then you come in and you're like, hey, we've got this end-to-end -end recruiter, we're using AI, and they're like, Bullshit, right? So, how do you how do you differentiate yourself? How do you actually prove beyond that? Is it because is it RPA or is it beyond that? So, firstly, I feel like when you think about like where AI is going and the buzz around it, mm -hmm. who's to be blamed for it is the market, because vendors are searching for AI. So, when vendors are searching for AI, uh, sorry, buyers are searching for AI. And when buyers are searching for AI, vendors will use that. Either it's keyword, keywords and the caption or whatever. So first, first and foremost. So you're blaming the buyers? No, because that's I'm, blaming, for? I'm blaming it starts from that. <laughs> the the hype, wherever it might come, but end of the day, the, the goal of a for-profit business is to sell and make a profit. It's not to lie, so, though. So, so that's point number one. That's point number one. Okay. I think point number two, um, I'll take my definition of the AI, the way we think about it. Um, it's, it's not automation only. You need to have a objective, which comes down to either the process and what you're trying to improve, and then you need to have the math behind, which automatically learns and maximizes that objective. That's what you need to, that's what the human mind does. When you grow up at the age of two, you touch the hot stove, you learn that it, heat, it, it burns, and over time you learn to not do that. That objective, so you're solving for not getting burned. That's AI. We as a company have our NLP framework, we have our own ontology, we have patents around it, we've taken AI in a very different way and we've patented that, especially for the recruiting world. Having said that, I will confess that probably 80, 85% of the value to Aaron's point comes from automation. It's not that the industry needs AI, and AI is just a tool there. And sadly so, it tends to create more value in the pre-sale process than post-sale. It's just a fact. It might change later. I'm not saying it won't change. Google's the first company to come and say, we'll be AI first. You, you type in sentence in Gmail, there's a one out of five chance it'll complete it for you, right? It's pretty awesome. That is cool stuff. But today, in the recruiting world, AI is being done. I think it's being done by few companies. It's being advertised by all. But that's because most of the value exists in the automation, not in the AI. It's commercial time. Canvas is the world's first intelligent text-based interviewing platform empowering recruiters to engage, screen, and coordinate logistics via text, and so much more. We keep the human, that's you, at the center, while CanvasBot is at your side adding automation to your workflow. Canvas leverages the latest in machine learning technology and has powerful integrations that help you make the most of every minute of your day. Easily amplify your employment brand with your newest culture video, or add some personality to the mix by firing off a Bitmoji. We make compliance easy and are laser focused on recruiter success. 
Request a demo at gocanvas.io. And in 20 minutes, we'll show you how to text at the speed of talent. That's gocanvas.io. Get ready to text at the speed of talent. It's showtime. Should there be standards around AI? Because I'm sure you guys just grit your teeth when you see companies that you know aren't doing AI, <laughs> but their site is .ai, they have AI on their website, they're promoting it. I mean, should there be a standard with which consumers can tell whether it's real AI or not? Sort of like the old job board association? Well, I don't, I think, I think it is. Uh, so the buyer in the market is super smart. They're super smart. I think they gravitate with starting with AI as I'm interested in AI, but the sale process or the selection process is all around what value I'm gonna solve and how I'm gonna track that. And soon AI just becomes a minor ingredient in that. It just becomes a minor ingredient. Whether you solve that problem with AI or automation or you have humans doing it, if you're solving it efficiently, you're solving it, right? You solve. So as a result, I think that standardization could happen. It might get some marketing buzz, but it will make no difference in practice because no one is buying of a solution saying, hey, I just want AI without knowing what the hell it's gonna do. And even if they bought it, at some point six months down, they realize, hey, it's not doing anything, and so they'll stop. Olivia, earlier we uh, saw some uh, McKinsey data that's, that showed 50% of jobs are automatable, right? Tasks versus the actual jobs themselves. What the hell are companies waiting for? I mean, if, if there is tasks that you can actually see, and, and even Fred showed it very nicely with the ONET data, right? And he highlight, highlighted some of the tasks that could be automated. What the hell are companies waiting for? I mean, you're talking to companies, multiple companies every day. What the hell are they waiting for? It's change. It's being a comfortable with change. Okay. It's, I mean, I study my clients' funnel, their candidate funnel, so studying how many applications are getting to generate a hire. And a lot of them are Fortune 500, and they're converting literally 1% to 3% of applications into hires, which is so low. And knowing that information, and there are tools out there to help them to shrink or grow that percentage when you're looking at that 90% mm -hmm. of talent that isn't even getting touched, isn't, there's no re-engagement. I mean, in trying to get them to think about different ways to get a hold of them, I mean, it, it's difficult bringing in new technology, adapting to change, going up the ranks, talking to leadership. I mean, there's so many layers that a company has to think about before even implementing anything like this. So it is pretty difficult. And I think it's gonna take a while to get there. So Aaron, what I'm hearing is change management is a bitch. How do you get by that? Is that, is that like one of the biggest obstacles that you have to actually deal with? Oh, ch change management's a huge issue, um, e e especially in the global enterprise. I mean, you're in enterprises, these are not one workflow. This is not one recruiting process. I mean, you, you have to first and foremost solve business problems, and then you gotta figure out how you're gonna make change. If you change technology, you also have to change people and processes. And what the work that gets done, the technology helps enable that. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, large organizations that have huge departments, huge recruiting departments, huge hiring, it's a, it's a, um, it's a task. So from, like, from a recruiter standpoint, and a recruiter adoption standpoint, who's trying to get recruiter adoption? So the question is why? 
Why isn't this a part of the process methodology already? And it's taken away, just like from a scheduling standpoint, sourcing can be done automatically, there can be QAQC. Scheduling can be done automatically, there can be QAQC. Why in the hell are we trying to get recruiter adoption? I don't understand. Why don't we, as leaders, actually adopt? Because you're turning around the Titanic in most cases. It's not easy. Yeah, but if you're taking if, if you're mean, taking it off the table for your recruiters and you know it'll make them more effective because they're doing all this admin shit. I mean, I think that is happening in some companies. I think I think the large organizations are trying to figure out how do you, you know, how do you eat a whale? I mean, it's it's a bite at a time. I mean, this is um, it's hard work in, in smaller mid-sized companies. I think you can kind of dictate, hey, all scheduling is going to now happen through this technology. Yeah. Um, and, and it is happening. I, we're still I, I you know mentioned this last night. I, I feel like and for those of you who've been around on the watch the Internet grow, um, this feels to me, I think there's this very large shift on how software is going to work for people in the future. That we're going through this transition, that the software is going to be intelligent. It's going to have automation built into its core. And it feels a lot to me like the web in 2000 or 1998. We're still so, or in 2000, everyone thought the web was done. Or 2001, it was like, hey, the web's done. I think we've had a lot of innovation since then. Mm -hmm. I, to me, we're in that early stages of a lot of transition. So you have recruiters. Yeah. We so don't talk like to me about that. We don't like to have the hard conversation. You it, have to say yes. It's, it's not a hard conversation away. though if it's that gone. Yeah, if but it's that gone, is people think jobs and all the hype is jobs. Those are the headlines. It's a task. You don't have to do. So you don't have to take the garbage out. I Yay! I don't have to take the garbage out. If you don't articulate that in your plan, yeah. Here are the tasks we're automating, and here's what you're going to do instead. If you don't have that second part, you can tell them you're till you're blue in the face. Their job's not impacted. They're still not going to believe you. So layoffs happen all the time. Somebody it, had a layoff somewhere. If you stop taking, if if you started having somebody else take out the garbage for them, okay? Yes. And they didn't even know. They're like, holy shit, the garbage's taken out. What's the? I mean, what's so the? So I big say you don't have to take out the garbage, but if you're taking out the garbage ten times a day, yeah. you're going, hmm, what else am I going to do? And if I don't come and say, now you're going to mow the lawn and you're going to wash the windows. Well, now you're going to do more of the brand ambassador things well, that we should be doing in the first place. Yeah, so to actually ensure that we have else, a hell of a brand. Companies don't articulate that. They don't say, here's what you're going to do. Is it that and hard? It's not that hard, but it's a hard conversation. Okay. Because they're scared. Fear, yeah. Period. We're human beings. We're trained to stay away from change. Stupid. Someone said recently, <laughs> uh, this whole thing feels a lot like search in the early days. Like, you do searches and the results were sonic sort of kooky, but you know eventually it'd be worked out. And to me, that's, to your point of early days, that's kind of how it feels. Is chatbot a dirty word? And I ask that because <laughs> it seems like all the chatbot folks are running away from being labeled a chatbot. Um, am I wrong on that? Is it a dirty word, particularly for the agency? Um, it feels like companies are getting away from that, and I want to know why. Well, we, I mean, we, we actually did an interview with Quincy from AMS, right? <laughs> and she said that, you know, when she throws out chatbot in the conversation. No, um, we're a platform. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like the company, like, you know, pukes a little bit on themselves, and they're like, no, we're not a chatbot. So it, <laughs> is it, I mean, is it like that labeling thing that's a problem, or is it not a problem? Um, I mean, first of all, I think Quincy's right. I mean, we, we've always called the concept an assistant. Um, no one ever called Siri a 
chat like we don't do that the goal is to, to voice me, assistant is not a dirty word no I, the whole idea for me of what we're trying to do is and and yeah it started with chatbot and to me it was like hey there's a website well is sap a website i mean come on it's a lot more than that and i think the whole idea if you google bot chatbot and say define chatbot it will say a computer program designed to have a game of basically talk reply and i don't think that's what we're trying to do i think the, the market has moved past that very quickly for us it's a dirty word um, but it's also a frame of reference because people do understand chatbots today so they understand the concept so we we think of it it's fine as a frame um, i think we all have to go past that and the and, and the people in this room we're, we are going past that do you feel like part of it is uh, the risk of commoditization of, of chatbots? And if you're labeled a chatbot, then you become a commodity. So we need to be more than just a chatbot. Is that part of why it's a dirty word? I, I, to me, I don't know that, it, that, that that's the reason. I think that it focuses on the wrong thing. In, to the point of buyers aren't trying to buy AI, they're trying to solve recruiting problems and business problems. No one's ever came and said, hey, I wanna buy a bot. They don't do that. They come right. in and say, I've heard agencies hey, say, people call them and say, we need a chat bot. We don't know what a chat bot is, but we know that we need one. Am I wrong on that I, or? Yeah, so yeah. it's happening. So, Olivia, what are you doing to stop this madness? This <laughs> chat bot fucking madness? Well. <laughs> It gets my clients talking, which is important. It talks about, you know, when they bring it up, well, what kind of challenge are you trying to solve here? Mm -hmm. And how can a chatbot help you? So having these conversations is really important. So if they want to call it a chatbot, if they want to call it a virtual assistant, that's fine with me personally. I think it's my job is to help. And this is with um, Laura's point earlier, being a translator of every single vendor out there calls their product different names. It's very, very confusing. And so if I can help translate, what does that mean to them for their business and how can it help them, then I'm doing my job. And so if they want to call it a, a chatbot and I can communicate what they're trying to solve, then it's a win. So, okay, on the Alio side, is that incredibly hard? Is that incredibly hard? Because I mean, we, what we're seeing is a hybridization of platforms and processes. Right, so it's like you have a platform that does all of this, and it's really a hybrid of different point solutions. Um, it, they're all different, to, to Olivia's point, right? They're all different and their message different. How do you get by that? I mean, what, what's, what's the major, I mean, if you're talking to Olivia, who's incredibly right, powerful from the standpoint of being able to, to touch and educate uh, clients, how do you get past that? Because again, it, it, there's a lot of noise, and it's really muddy. By the way, Olivia is Paradox's girl, <laughs> and it's also her name, Sorry. so just don't get too confused. Yeah. I, I was a little Sorry bit confused. I confess, <laughs> I've only known two Olivias in my, in my life, and I have both on the stage. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John? Yeah. Don't ask me to pick who I prefer, so. <laughs> uh, so I think, um, I'll, I'll speak a little bit to the previous one, and then try to answer to this. Uh, Joel, to your point, I, my intuition, it's the opposite. So will chatbots commoditize by 2020 or 2021? Yes. If we had to put money, I'll put it on the yes bucket. But they haven't commoditized yet. What that means is when you say chatbot, you could mean something very different than what you say chatbot. As a result, if I'm doing something very different than what you think, but maybe more aligned with that, then why would I call myself a chatbot? So I don't think it's gotten to the ATS CRM world, mm -hmm. but it's really a difference of 10%. You're talking like 80, 90% difference between, uh, between products. Yeah. And so, so I, feel, I feel that's the, that's the key point. To your point on how do you like, deal with the challenge, 
if I'm talking with Olivia or, or her clients, it really all comes down to showing the value that you've created for customers. It's just the case studies. You go into a customer, they had a certain problem that hopefully resonates with who you're talking about. And then you show what you did, and then you show how that improved. And hey, talk with them, or see what they said in Forbes, or see what they said wherever. It comes down to that, and who cares whether it was a chatbot, whether it was an ETS, whether it was Joel and Chad sitting at the back and making it happen. It happened, and if Joel and Chad did it, they should be paid for it. It'd be a chatbot. Yeah. So, so I think I think you heard your first. I think the the honest truth just lies in snark uh, on demand. The honest truth just lies not on the website. It lies not in these presentations here. It just lies with when you are working with a customer or yeah. folks who can who are create sending that message out. You're not trying to create a ill-formed category out there called chatbots because it's not. Uh, it's not reached that stage, but you're trying to just say, hey, if you have these categories of problems, this is something that might work. I'm guessing that's how you guys. It's commercial time. Sovereign Parser is the most accurate resume and job order intake technology in the industry. The more accurate your data, the better decisions you can make. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. And that's the end of part one. Check out part two for the rest of the story. Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. This has been the Chad and Cheese podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors, because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit chadcheese.com. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.